Yes, hello folks, welcome to a special episode of Beyond the Pitch and I'm delighted to be joined with BTP alumni, the fantastic David Amayal, back to the podcast, it's been a while, so always great to have Dave back. Dave, how you doing, brother? Awesome. Phil, uh, fantastic to catch up with you, you know, I've been retired for a while, but uh, I always like an opportunity to catch up with you. We did a show a few months ago, so I couldn't pass up a chance uh, Absolutely to say perfect. hello, so thanks so much for having me on. Absolute pleasure, Devin. Yes, our podcast we'll talk a little bit about the World Cup. We'll talk about Ronaldo. We'll talk a little bit about meditation and other things that uh, uh, that transcend football, which is um, exactly how I want my conversations to go with people in the future, not just solely about football, about life. Um, you said you're retired, Dave. So, um, one, are you enjoying that? And two, what are you doing? So, uh, yeah, and when I say retired, I say from covering football, doing podcasts and uh, whatnot. You know, I did it. Uh, it had started as a side gig about uh, eight years ago. Uh, you know, I worked full time in finance and uh, it had really grown to something that I didn't expect. And, uh, you know, big reason was starting with you guys being on your show. That kind of got me started going on serious, doing different things. Got to write on ESPN and The Athletic, and then I had my own podcast. And, you know, I used to do it twice a week. And like you, Phil, I put my heart and soul into mm -hmm. it. So it was a lot of work on top of, uh, you know, my day job, which is very demanding. So, you know, this year I decided to take a step back and, you know, try to focus on other areas of my life. You know, I'd gone through some personal changes. I wanted mm -hmm. more time uh to develop more friendships, be closer to my family. So the time that I used to spend on uh, the podcast and football, I've been spending, you know, with friends, being closer with my family. You know, I, I, I find especially these days, it's so hard to make friendships as an adult. Um, mm -hmm. So I really wanted to invest time uh, in that. And, you know, the past few weeks I went uh, to two concerts and each of them with a friend that I didn't have, you know, before I retired. And we're very, they're very good friends. And it made me feel really good about the decision. And uh, I loved uh, covering football. Like, look, um, I've made great friendships, uh, including you. And that's something um, I feel incredibly grateful for. But sometimes in life, it's good to take a step back. I had noticed like the football was really a lot about my ego towards mm -hmm. the end. And instead, I decided to feed a little bit more my soul and my body. So it's been a good decision overall. I think it actually maybe exceeded my expectations. But sometimes I get the itch to talk. And more than football, what I do miss is like talking to people mm -hmm. like you. So that's why I love the opportunity to hop on today. Well, honestly, Dave, what you just said there, um, in many ways, encompasses a lot of my own life and my own experience. And you said something that was really important. Uh, the thing that I enjoy the most is the conversations. And I don't want them to be one-dimensional. And they are one-dimensional in the sense that 99% of what I do isn't just even football-specific. It's Manchester United-specific. And sometimes that can get a bit monotonous. And there's so many other interesting topics out there beyond Manchester United, beyond football even, with individuals I want to talk to. Um, in fact, I started a new podcast um, and uh, I'm going to start releasing these podcasts over the next few weeks. Um, and they're met, Most of them have nothing to do with football. Um, first guy, awesome. uh, The first guy I had on yesterday was a guy called Joe Walsh, who was um, one of the... Number one guys in the Tea Party. He's uh, he was a Republican uh, House member. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I, 
yeah, uh, but obviously he's virulent anti-Trump now. And I commend his courage uh, because I think the internet and social media <laughs> has destroyed public discourse. Most of it's motivated by protecting their jobs and self-interest and maybe 90% of what's posted on social media, people don't even believe themselves. Uh, it's about social rewards and consequences. Um, and so I looked at this and I thought, you need to constantly, you, you, we're constantly changing. And you can't stay in one space too long. You need to yeah. you need to challenge yourself in other ways. And I'll be honest, David, bless you. I did the first interview yesterday and I was a bit nervous. I haven't been nervous doing an interview for a long time, but it was taking me out of my comfort zone. And That's it was challenging awesome. me in ways that I hadn't done before. And it went great, actually. So I totally get what you're saying. You're on a journey through life and you're not supposed to stay in one place too long. Yeah, agreed. You know, so... Um, Let's talk about uh, what you want to do going forward. I mean, do you ever see yourself going back into this, this space in some sense? Maybe maybe to do something that's much more uh, multidimensional than just a football podcast? Um, maybe. Um, definitely. I, I, if I were to go back to doing something like podcasting, or I would absolutely be focused more on stuff like meditation and mm -hmm. uh, things of that nature. You know, I love music. I love movies. Uh Definitely like to mix that in, you know, and it just ties in a little bit to the World Cup. You know, I, I've been very frustrated with modern football in a mm. lot of ways. And it feels that now the World Cup it feel is here and it feels like really the capitulation of all the things we don't like yeah. about modern football, <laughs> like it really does. coming to a head. So it's unfortunate, a turnoff. And, you know, another thing that I've been thinking of is, you know, um, there's been a lot of talk of news by the people, for the people. I'd like mm -hmm. to, you know, I interviewed once uh, Paolo Combo, who's a great journalist in Italy, and he um, is the only Italian that votes at the Ballon d'Or, and I asked him, hey, you know, what would you recommend to someone who wants to get into journalism or talking about sports? And he goes, it doesn't really matter what you're covering, but go see something in person, try to experience it with your own eyes. And that's something that's always really inspired me. And I'm like, you know, maybe I'd like football, if I were to ever cover it again, I think it would be something more like local, like a high school or something like that, and go see mm -hmm. it in person. Uh, Maybe that would get me back into the game because there's definitely a lot about the football thing that I enjoy. But as you said, you know, it's become a little bit uh, different. But uh, yeah, uh, I love the idea of what you're doing with your podcast. And what a great first guest. I'm very familiar with who you uh, have been on. That sounds fascinating. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's a labor of love. It's something that I yeah. like to do. It's something that I find really interesting, um, especially to ask people questions accomplished people who won't give me the answers that I think and are constantly challenging my own views on things. Um, uh, you talk about the World Cup and it's almost like a ceremony of, of, of the worst aspects of football all coming together and, and yeah. in, a sing in a singularity. And we see a, a, a World Cup that was gifted to Qatar so that the French would get airplanes. Um, it, it was, in many ways, normalizing the worst corruption. Uh, I have very little empathy for the nations that last, lost out because they were participating in this Sharia too. But to me, Dave, what is truly despicable, and, and this has been a gradual slide, right? I mean, I, I remember the outrage when he, when Sky Sports bought 
football in, in the UK for broadcast coverage. And we've seen a constant erosion of things in football or in life that, that were once sacred. Um, yeah. Everything is up for sale. And it's not just the fact that we're having a, country, a, a, a football competition in a country that is proud of its uh, civil oppression um, uh, and are already breaking promises they made to the world um, when you invite the world to a country. And I'm not going to single out Qatar because I completely understand the water about if people are talking about other nations and if there's a legitimate point about that, I accept that. But there's gradients here and how you scale civil liberties. They're not all analogous. No one's perfect, I get that. But when you have the people, uh, when you have foreign representatives um, of a nation saying things like it's disease of the mind, um, to, to, to be gay, and then you have the organization, governing body saying, let's stick to football, it's disgusting to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I um, I had a guest on my podcast who uh, writes about movies. His name is Andrew Barker. He had a tweet today that I thought was really good because Piers Morgan, you know, has been talking a lot about, well, you know, we're holding Qatar to very different standards and, you know, there's there's no country that's pure. And like with you, I, I somewhat get that point. I also mm-hmm. put myself in the shoes if I was from over there, how would be my perspective mm-hmm. On here and all this, this is what my friend Andrew wrote, and he goes, that's the thing about sports washing. It works until it doesn't. Maybe you can overlook a shady sponsorship deal or a Russian autocrat buying a PL club. Maybe you can overlook scores of dead migrants, workers, or goons threatening to smash reporters' cameras. And I think, you know, it's a little bit what you were saying. And I uh, kind of agree with that sentiment. It's like, yeah, okay, we're condoning a lot, but sometimes you really reach a a point where it's like, okay, well, now it's gone a little bit too far. And for me, what makes me very sad is, you know, the World Cup, I was thinking uh, yesterday of when I was a kid. And I think that to me is like the worst part. Like when I was between seven and 12, like those World Cups during that age, you know, I'm pretty old, was Mexico Mm -hmm. 86 and Italia 90. And like, how amazing those tournaments mm-hmm. were and how I still have memories of being mm-hmm. with my family and being with my friends. And I literally still feel them in my body just thinking about yeah. those moments. And I wonder, you know, if kids today, and I'm not picking on just Qatar, like in general, modern football, but like the capitulation of all this, as you said, uh, that's what I kept thinking about yesterday because the World Cup for me is is a lot about that, that passion that you form in the kids. And that's how you become a lifelong fan. You know, 1986 World Cup, I was at nine years old. I remembered every score and yeah. people would quiz me on scores. And that's kind of was like, I've been chasing the dragon ever since. Yeah, exactly. That's a great so, point. A great so point. for me, that's like what's really sad. And it's not just Qatar. It's like a little bit sports in general with football. But this is like really sad. And it's like... Uh, this World Cup, you know, in the middle of the club season and the winter feels a little bit like when the NBA had the, you know, the title in the bubble and all the teams were there. Yeah, it's a title. Like, I get it. But it just feels different for a variety of 100%. reasons. And look, there's no question as you age, your lens gets colored by global politics and different things that doesn't affect you as a child. When you're a kid, it is really just about the football. And you're not really aware of, 
you know, any of the other issues that um, are, chain, are affecting how you view what you're watching. I mean, 78 World Cup, I wasn't really conscious enough. I was only a couple of years old, but I still look at clips of that. And then I was listening to a podcast a while ago talking about the problems that have existed at other World Cups um, politically and what have you. And um, stupidly, I wasn't aware of what was going on in Argentina at the time yeah. in 78. And, um, you know, and I, I'm looking at these, even even the Russian World Cup, uh, I mean, I was somewhat I was aware, but I'm not sure if I was as pointed about it as I am now. Um, but it's like I was saying earlier, Dave, it's been this gradual slide into this. And I have a hard time with a lot of the performance arts of things like the English FA wearing LGBTQ um, armbands yet. CM Football Association have no problems with um, Saudi government owning their football clubs, right? You know, they were more interested in television rights than human rights. Yeah. So it, it, it doesn't land the same, you know, and I, I've said this on the podcast, where's football's Muhammad Ali or Colin Kaepernick? A guy that's willing to make major sacrifices to their careers for doing the right thing. You know, if Cristiano Ronaldo were Lionel Messi boycotted this World Cup, I'm not talking about some nondescript guy who's not going to yeah, make yeah, yeah. who no one will care about. I'm talking about someone that could, the rest could hide behind and the, that would bring massive global focus. I mean, Ronaldo will talk about this, has done an interview, drip fed three days. Imagine if he'd done that about Qatar. Yeah. Imagine the headlines, imagine the media, imagine all the other stuff that would make it impossible to obfuscate the reality for sponsors and everybody else, make it impossible to stick to the football. They have such a powerful voice, instead they're using it for how poor me, my ego, but we'll get to that in a minute. But it's <laughs> where, where is football is Muhammad Ali? Yeah, no, that's a great point, Phil. I never uh, really thought of it in those terms. Uh, we are missing that figure for sure. Absolutely. Let me ask you about the Ronaldo thing because um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're obviously a student of Italian football, so you will be aware uh, of some of his antics. Um, as a United fan, I listened to what he said. Ninety, probably maybe ninety percent of what he said is correct. Right. My issue is one: the motivation for saying it; two: the motivation for the timing of it; and three: what this is really about. Everything else that's right is collateral damage because in this it's solely about Cristiano Ronaldo and what is a juvenile childish ego that in my opinion the the closest I can compare him to is football's version of Donald Trump. He is an <laughs> immature child that demands sycophants um, to be obsequious around him to constantly placate his ego. I mean, there's a lot of things in there that raise red flags. I mean, one of them about his kid saying to him, how are they going to discipline you, the greatest footballer in the world? I mean, whose kid talks to him like that? I could be the greatest <laughs> podcaster in the world and I can assure you, my kids aren't letting me know that. My kids are bitching at me about Roblox gift cards and shit all over the floor and stuff like that. You're going, does he demand his hero worship from everyone? <laughs> well, listen, I uh, I agree with you that a, a lot of the things he said are true, but they just serve his own uh, Correct. purpose. So I think he's like using the rightful anger that Man United fans have towards, towards the Glazers 
to his advantage. And you're right, Phil, if the collateral damage is that they suffer too, I guess something good comes out of it. But it's completely obvious that it's completely self-serving. And again, when he left Juve, he said, this was the best decision of my career to go back to Man United. So it's one of two things. Either he didn't know at all what was going on at Man United and what had been happening there for years, or mm-hmm. as usual, he people say what's convenient in the moment. And in the moment, that's what was convenient to say. On paper, that looked like the right move for him at the time. But I would also point out that he waited until the last possible second to really leave mm-hmm. Juve, giving him really no time to find his replacement. Um, so, you know, it's not like he was fantastic on his way out there. And then he said, OK, I'm going to Man United. This is the best decision of my career. Uh, we know the issues of Man United that he talked about didn't happen just in the past year. As a matter of fact, you know, you know this better than me. They've been going on for a much longer time. So either he or his agent didn't know that. And I have a hard time uh, believing that. So to me, it sounds like a lot of, uh, you know, what's convenient. But, you know, to me, the most important question that was missed, you know, was like asking him, you know, is there any club remotely similar to Man United where there is a striker of your age that has a bigger role than you do right now? Uh, To me, that would be a completely legitimate question. Now, a Ronaldo fan would tell me, well, he's in better shape and he's better conditioned. And I think there is something to that. But father time is undefeated. There's a reason why at this age, uh, you know, especially at the striker position, you don't see players with a bigger role than he has now at a club like uh, Man United. So, you know, we've seen athletes, you and I have been following sports for a long time. We've seen athletes handle father time beating up terribly. We've seen some athletes after a few lumps being a little bit more gracious. And we've seen some athletes that tried to even retire before it happened. Um, So unfortunately, I think he falls in the kind of one of the worst categories that I've seen as far as handling that. But, you know, this is someone his whole life that's been told how great and wonderful he is. So I can understand that this is difficult to accept, but that would have been my question to him would have been like, okay, well, this isn't happening anywhere else. So what would be your comeback to that? See, and there is the problem to me. Um, just to make the, the personality comparison with Trump, you, you know, I was listening to an interview with Fiona Hill um, on the Lex Friedman podcast, who is his special Russian advisor extremely intelligent woman she testified at his impeachment uh, hearing and um she's from the uk one of the things that she was making clear to everyone is that you can't advise him because he doesn't listen to anybody and i feel that this is the same with ronaldo because normally you would say he's been badly advised but i don't know if you can't advise him i don't know if there's anyone that ronaldo will listen to and this is the problem with constantly feeding an ego is that whenever you need him to be able to sit down and have a degree of self-awareness and say, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this, maybe you shouldn't say this because of the impact that it's going to have on you, he refuses to listen. I mean, United's training ground isn't in Narnia. He was back there with Juventus um, in the Champions League. So he had uh, Diogo Dallo there, he had Bruno Fernandes there, he had Rafael Varane there. 
uh, are you telling me that he wasn't able to ask, or his agent wasn't able to ask, what's going on with the jacuzzi? I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and 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 all these infrastructure issues, United fans are well aware of. And I f- agree with you. I felt it was a really woeful attempt at trying to curry favour with United fans on an issue where. Um, it really wasn't an issue for Ronaldo. If this was an issue for Ronaldo, the time to do this interview wasn't now. The time to do Agreed. it was a year ago, um, or even over the summer when you, when the, when the movement you know the Glazer Out movement would have really uh, appreciated this. Um, but again, he made sure he released it at a time when it was favourable to him because he wanted to use United to get fit for the World Cup, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think in many ways, Dave says to me how much I believed in the myth about Ronaldo, of him being this mentality monster, of him being this guy that, um, you know, is a machine. In truth, he's a deeply unhappy, deeply insecure young man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, No doubt about it. I think you put it pretty well that he's coming off like a 12-year-old. You know, it's like the first time uh, you kind of leave your house and uh, someone makes you realize that you're not the greatest thing ever and that there's people with like different opinions that's kind of what it felt like you know it's like you think oh this is the greatest thing here at my house but then you get exposed to something else and that's really kind of what it felt like a a young person that for the first time realizes they're not in this moment the greatest thing since sliced bread which looked for a while he was but this is the life of an athlete i think rooney said it very well too it's like this is what happens, you know, and some people accept it and some don't. Yeah, look, when you see him, what does he have? He's still got the ability to score goals. He's still got the ability to put the ball in the net, back in the net. But to borrow a boxing analogy, you know, the last thing to go in a fighter is his punch. And um, with Ronaldo, he still has his punch, but all the rest of the decline is so obvious. That's what's costing him. In games, let me ask you about the World Cup, Dave. Quickly, um, do you what do you think uh, we should expect this tournament? Do you think it'll be a South American winner, European winner? What do you reckon? Well, you know, it, it is fascinating because you know I grew up with the idea: okay, if the World Cup's in Europe, a European team's going to win. If it's not in Europe, odds are it's not. It's going to be a South American team, and. Um, well, let's now obviously we're in totally different uh, territory. So uh, I'm very interested. Brazil seem would seem like a good bet going into this. You know, I don't follow football nearly as close as I used to, but uh, for some reason I would say Brazil. I'm curious to see France with their injuries how they do. But man, they are an incredibly loaded uh, team there it seems france might have an easier path so uh we'll see uh i'm intrigued uh, to see if messi can now get it over the line and see if he can uh, complete his career here but i think also portugal is an intriguing story let's see how much the ronaldo thing impacts them or not well i uh, segue this conversation into manda health my friend something that you and I have connected on quite a bit. Uh, we've been quite open about our mental health as people should be. Um, what uh, what uh, are you doing to manage the dark cloud to make sure it doesn't visit you? Are you, are you doing meditation? What are you, what, what are you doing to keep yourself uh, right these days? 
So I, I do love uh, meditation. You know, I got started with like the apps, you know, like Headspace, Calm, and I mm. really enjoyed those. And I still use them to this day. I do a meditation on those uh, every day. And I try to do like a general meditation, like one that will just kind of center me for the day. And then I try to like meditate on like a theme, you know, like I look at like ego or anger mm. or being in a rush, being impatient. And I try to focus uh, on that. You know, since I did retire uh, from podcasting, I've had a lot more time to read. And that's something that I like, I've really enjoyed. Uh, I've gotten a lot of relief from uh, audiobooks on uh, meditation. Uh, I've been reading pretty much everything Deepak Chopra has mm -hmm. out there. I think he's, uh, I really love his stuff because it's, um, you can apply it in your life uh, very easily. Yep. Yep. Uh, so that's what I really like uh, about it. So one thing that I've been like really working on um, is trying to set intentions. So before mm -hmm. I used to like set goals and now I set intentions and I try to be the type of person that I want to be instead of a setting a specific goal and uh one of the other big themes that i've been working on is trying not to put a positive negative judgment yes. on things mm -hmm. uh, this is something that uh i've heard a lot but now it makes a lot more sense to me so you know when i used to start my day i used to think oh i have this coming up this coming up and i used to right away make judgments saying okay this is going to suck. Mm. This I'm looking forward to. This is not too much. But what I've learned is if you're like very rigid in that, uh, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I try to kind of not have uh, that judgment and just let things be because ultimately, you know, the universe is the way it is and me not liking it. Like I can either go with the flow or not. Uh, but this not trying to be positive, negative has been a, uh, really really helpful uh for me so you know i try to do my best effort and not worry too much about the result um and that has worked uh, really quite uh well for me and you know i do try also to spend um time in nature as much mm -hmm. as possible you know i live in the city and i actually live in a pretty urban part of uh, Boston, but I do have a beach not too far and there is a greenway. And uh, what I find that time in nature um, is very uh, beneficial. Um, two, I'm not gonna lie, being less on social media, <laughs> that's like an incredibly so positive important. impact. Um, and even, you know, when I was on social media before, it was with the angle, oh, you know, I want to try to get people to my podcast and mm -hmm. the stuff that I do. And now I don't have that motivation anymore. So that's been um, really helpful, too. But I would, uh, you know, recommend to anyone who's like uh, struggling, going through a hard time. Uh, you know, try to check out a meditation, you know, don't be too intimidated by it. But even just, you know, trying to be present in the moment is something that I find so, so important. You know, uh, if you think about it, like in this moment right now that you're listening to us, you probably don't aren't experiencing a real problem. Like problems are usually in our mind, uh, thinking of the past, projecting the future. So I try to mm -hmm. really be uh, present in the moment, and that usually uh, makes things a lot easier for me. What do you What do you read? 
So like I, like I mentioned, I love uh, Deepak Chopra. Like uh, spiritual laws are really good. I've read uh, the book The Power of Now is really good. Uh, and I love biographies. I'm not really too much into nonfiction. I do like uh, life stories. I like all different uh, ranges. Uh, and, you know, what's interesting to me now is trying to do that non-judgmental and mm -hmm. listening uh, lives that maybe are very different than what I've experienced. And that's something that before I was a little bit, uh, you know, more rigid on and trying to be a little bit more open-minded. Yeah, I've had to learn about that too. And I was listening to an amazing lecture on this uh, by Alan Watts. Hey, by the way, uh, if you're struggling with mental health issues and you're into philosophy, I strongly suggest you check out Alan Watts. In explaining how important environment is to human behavior and how much it influences human behavior and how good people in bad environments do bad things. And um, it's very easy for us to pass judgment without understanding the antecedents as to why people do certain things and why... There's really nothing that a human being doesn't do that you're not capable of yourself in different circumstances. Um, and when you, I spend a lot of time reading um, science books. Uh, I spend a lot of time reading stuff on consciousness and free will. And, um, and of course, if you believe the free will is an illusion, then you can never take anything personal because there's no such thing as a you. No. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's no you to offend. You know, your identity is clearly fluid. Right? You're a different person around your mother and your father than you are around your boss and you are around your wife and you are around your girlfriend or whatever it is. You know, we, we are clearly uh, have fluid identities no matter what. And our behavior is based on social incentives, um, whatever, whether it's, you know, what a great guy I am, which of course is what happens with virtue signaling on social media. Um, we're we're all we're all hypocrites. We're all guilty of the worst aspects of human behaviour sometimes um, that are motivated by the wrong things. I'm guilty of it. And like you were saying there, Dave, you get into a thing like audience capture and you get into this feedback capture of where you start shaping your thoughts and your content based on what's going to get the best approval, not necessarily what you think. And this is what, yeah. this is what social media does. And so, and when you sit back, you go, you know, I've, I've got friends of mine that will say to me, I love you, but I'll never follow you on social media because you're the worst follow on social media. <laughs> obviously, obviously, life is much more nuanced on our social media, but you're getting a small percentage of our personality Absolutely. on there, right? And people take it so personal. If they get unfollowed or blocked, I have friends of mine, and like, I don't support Man United, but I'll never follow you on social media. I'll have a beer with you anytime. I'll talk, talk to you on the phone anytime, <laughs> but I'm not following you on Twitter. And I get that, right? Uh, uh, and so... Like you were saying also about making friends. Now this is the ma this is the medium that we're using to communicate with people. It got exacerbated a bit through COVID. Um, but like if you speak to a lot of 40-year-olds, for example, people of our generation that are on things like Tinder and what have you, they find it impossible to meet other people because of what social media is doing to us socially. And of course, what that also does to us mentally, the social isolation. And, and Oh my God, yeah. And the constant adversarial position of social media pitting you against your friend, they've got a better life than you. And then, unfortunately, what it leads to with boys and girls, especially on Instagram, it turns young girls into essentially catwalk models. And they're, I mean, I'm sitting with my child yesterday expressing things to me that 
honestly won't make me want to turn my hair out. I'm not going to share them because that's his information, but it's a symptom of what social media is doing to young kids. It leads to boys developing this toxic no days off attitude is if you're not allowed to be happy until you reach a certain income status or certain job status in your life that you'll probably yeah. never realize. This is, this, is, this is insane in our society. Uh, and I think advertisement badly needs to be regulated. Advertisement is a pit bull of, of an economy and it, but it's, very, it's raison d'etre to convince you you're not allowed to be happy until you buy my shit. And well, you have I have to, to see the problem with that. I, you know, I have to give you so much credit, Phil, because this thing on boys and men uh, being in trouble, this is something I know you've been talking about for quite mm -hmm. a few years. And this is yeah. something that's been a lot more on my radar, I want to say, the past two years. Um, but I got to say, you've been talking about this for a while. Yeah. And, you know, and I think we're seeing it time and time. Like, I think it's just not good for society to have frustrated men that no. are, you know, struggling mm -hmm. and isolated. It's, uh, it's just not good for everyone. Like, I look, I think it's great that the society has advanced, like, there's been a lot of changes, like men had it was too much their way. But now I feel like it's really swung uh, the other way. Like, you look at a uh, the, the percentage of people that graduate university, like this is just not a good long-term trend. And I think you're completely right on uh, social media doing uh, a lot of that. Like, I'll just tell you for me, like uh, the friendships, uh, the, the advice that I would give people is like to remind yourself that a lot of people are in your same boat. Mm -hmm. Odds are there are a lot of people that just like you would like to have more friends. And I think sometimes it's just a matter of taking that first little initiative to try to mm -hmm. open that connection. And, you know, I don't think it's to the point that you have to tell someone, hey, you know, I'm so depressed, I really need a friend, let's try to do something. But, you know, it's okay to express, hey, you know, I'd like to have a little bit more uh, interaction. And, uh, you know, I've made a lot of great friends through social media last night when it looked like Twitter might be ending. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that was the thing that I thought was the best of it, getting to know you. I've met a lot sure. of people in our real life. Uh, that's great, but sometimes it's good. You can even try to take advantage. If there's someone on social media that you met and seems very cool, if you're kind of in the same city, like uh, I've been getting together with the Milan Fan Football Club here in Boston. They're the only pretty big team uh, in Boston that has a get together of Italian football. And that's been fantastic. You know, these are yeah. people that I met through Twitter and it reminds me, oh, this is why sports was so much fun, like being with the, people so I, I think overall i couldn't agree more with you that social media has made it a lot harder but try to maybe use it to your advantage and try to reach out to people the one thing social media is good at is getting people that have a lot of the same interests kind of together uh and i would just remind people that again there are just as many people that have that desire that want to make more meaningful connections as you and people are going to be much more open than you would think if you try in my opinion it also comes back to what you were saying there dave and this is hard to do but i agree with this it and i i, I find myself doing this more and more to not judge a lot of the negativity that comes back at me and i'm sure you know this is yeah, what yeah. you were saying about not because i think about myself when I've passed negative judgment on people, being unfair or sniped at people, it's almost always got to do with something other than the person I'm aiming it at. It's got to do with the fact of what's going on around me. It's got to do with the fact I've had a bad day. It's got to do with the fact that someone's oh, pissed me off. It's almost never a result 
uh, and because it's impersonal and because you're not seeing how these words land on a human being, it's easy to do. But I get it back. I also think, what if this is a child? What if this is a 14 or 15 year old kid? Which it very possibly is. If a grown man was coming at my 15 year old kid for something they said, the first thing I would say to them is, he's a kid. He's 15, right? And we get, we also have to accept that the way people consume things, the generation is totally different. The young generation, every generation complains about the previous one oh, and yeah, how they yeah. consume it. So the way young kids are consuming sports today are very different to you and me. And this is partly why I'm somewhat disillusioned, not making a value judgment, just that I don't really know how to, I don't, that doesn't resonate with me where it's more about individuals than the clubs. They support teams, not clubs. They support players, not teams. They support managers, not teams. And it's much more divisive than what it once was. Um, and maybe video games is partly responsible for this, but this is just the way of the world. And of course, this turns individual players into brands. Like we see this with LeBron James. Oh, yeah. We see this, these players doing the reveal and all that there and turning their next move into, you know, uh, 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 I, I mean, as you'll know well, the transfer market now is as much as much is as important in football as it's anything else. It's bigger than the games. It's bigger than the games. It's yeah. kind of frightening to me. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree. And you know, I, I feel that unfortunately, like the super fandom, like now it's literally being a fan of Ronaldo is an extension of someone's personality. I think more uh -huh. than it was before. Like. Yeah, like, I think when we were kids growing up, like, being a Man United fan or being a Milan or a Juve fan was an extension of your personality. But now I think it's gotten a lot more with, like, the person and, like, taking anything that happens to that person so, uh, you know, personally and anyone criticizing it uh, as, the end of the as the end of the world. And I think you made such a great point on not taking things personally. Like, when people are acting up, it's... 99% of the time, it's not because of you. It's like mm -hmm. what they are going through. And I think it's always important to look back at yourself. You know, if you think that people are talking badly about you or obsessed about you, just ask yourself, how often do you do that about other mm -hmm. people? It's probably the, you're much more focused on your own life. So, yeah, I, I think that's so uh, important. I completely agree, my friend. Before you go, uh, give me a uh, just tell me what uh, what what's going on otherwise in your life. Everything good, mate. Your 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 health and all that. Door is good. Everything is is looking bright for you. Fantastic. Now you know I went through uh, a lot of changes during COVID. I you know I had lived a very I, what I realized is I had lived a very privileged life, mm. uh, and you know I dealt with some real adversities, and it really taught me a lot about myself. And more than anything, it kind of gave me the courage to then bring other changes in my life. And, uh, you know, look, the decision, uh, the podcast covering football, I had done pretty well. My ego was really invested in that. But this year I decided to, you know, feed my soul and my body. And so I have a much more, uh, you know, easy life. I have time for myself before, you know, I had my uh, full time job and then I was rushing to get ready for podcast or do this, do that set up an interview and just having that extra time has been uh, very good. So it's been, uh, you know, a much more uh, balanced life, but it's wonderful to still have people like you in my life and to be able to come on once in a while. So much love, it's been brother. awesome catching up. Right back All at you, Dave. Take care, love you, so love you. I Keep your life filled with things that are spiritually nourishing. That's most important. My friend, take it easy, Dave, and I'll, hit, I'll have love you back us. again soon. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, mate.
Love you, brother. Thanks Much so love, much, bro. Bye, Dave. Take care. Team out. Bye.